0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Exodus chapter number 20. Exodus chapter number 20. This will be part two of the Ten Commandments in relation to the New Testament. Um, If you want a nation that isn't divided, this is the commandment for it. Before we start off, let me say again that God gave the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments. He didn't give it to a Gentile. And we talked about being able to use the law lawfully, and it can point people to Christ. It can show people that they can't keep it, and so therefore they need the Savior, but we were never uh, commanded to follow the Ten Commandments. It's something that God gave the nation, uh, the nation of Israel. And a lot of the false teaching, most of the false teaching that occurs in our day comes from not distinguishing between Israel and the church. And they just blend them together and they come up with all of these things that are promises that God gave to the nation. They're taking it upon the New Testament, uh, the New Testament church. Um But we can glean a lot of truth from this. All the Bible is here for a reason. And so we're going to read Exodus 20, verse 16. This commandment says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And this is extremely important to God. And we have that all across nationally. If you look at how our nation has been divided, it's been one false report after another. It's not helpful. It doesn't help at all. Um, because communities, societies, neighborhoods and the and the opinions of those that live there depend on truthful reports. And social media has just taken this thing to a whole nother level of depravity. God, He does not want us telling lies, bearing false witness against our neighbor. It's extremely hurtful. Uh, Some practical thoughts. We should make it a habit to develop a true judgment of other people before we say anything about someone else. The second thing is we shouldn't give our opinion or our assumption of what we think we know about someone. And I know that they're our opinions and our assumptions, and so therefore they've got to be right, you know, because, but we've got to be real, real careful to not give a false report. Just because I have an opinion or you have an opinion, it doesn't make it a fact. We need to be careful that we don't give a false report against someone. None of us has the right to spread a harmful report just because someone else told it to you or someone else told it to me. We need to hear it and then gather all of the facts. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Two to three witnesses were needed in the Hebrew law. If there was one if there was one witness there would be no death penalty. They wouldn't be put to death. Deuteronomy somewhere. <laughs> uh, but if there, were two, if there were two or three witnesses, now it can be put to death. Why? Because the two or three protected against bearing false witness. You have one witness, he could potentially give a false testimony, but not two or three. And so that was there as a protection. Um, But under oath, a false witness could ruin, ruin someone's life. And God doesn't want that. Social media is destroying people's reputations. Social media is destroying people's relationships. It's destroying families. And it ought not be so. People are taking liberty to just type and write and post anything they want and allow people to form their own opinions with a little help from Whoever's posting it in their opinion on God doesn't want that. So, what does the New Testament say for us as Christians? Well, we can glean from Exodus 20, but let's look at Ephesians 4. Let's get over to the New Testament. We're going through quite a bit of passages. Ephesians 4. The 25th verse. The Bible says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This is vitally important for Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, We all The closer you get to know somebody, the more there is opportunity for argument. The more there is opportunity for disagreement. There's more opportunity for a tip. We cannot allow that to get in the way of our testimony. And we certainly don't want to get into a situation where now we are violating Ephesians 4.25. And just start telling reports because... Somebody hurt our feelings. We need to speak truth. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Uh, Go to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter number 19. Jesus reiterates the importance of the Ten Commandments in the New Testament here. And he says, Matthew, uh, the 19th chapter, 18th verse. He saith unto him, which? Jesus said, okay, here it is. Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. See that? We see it right. Uh, I mean, the whole Bible, you could say the whole thing, it should be red letters, but in mind, we've got red letters. So that's Jesus. Uh, that's Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 10, same idea. We'll run a few more verses tonight just so we can. It's good to flip through the Bible and see it again. Mark 10:19. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. See that? Do not bear false witness god in the last two passages jesus christ he's he's confirming those ten commandments and he's saying it right here in the new testament Uh, luke 18 luke chapter 18 and the 20th verse again thou knowest the commandments Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Where is Jesus quoting from? Where is that coming from? Exodus 20. Exodus 20. Colossians 3, don't uh, turn there. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. For Christians, we put off some things and we put on some things. And that's Colossians 3 is a perfect example of that. Lie not one to another. It's bad enough when the world lies It's bad enough that the liberal left media And all that fake news And we're trying to discern What is truth in the media That's bad enough That affects our lives uh, In a bad way anyway But it really magnifies uh, itself When brothers and sisters in Christ are doing it And it just ought not be so it ought not be so if we we don't want to be hypocritical and we don't want to point our finger and all oh, the fake news and the news lies. And and then we're telling false reports. It's not going to sit well. It's not going to sit well. So we I know I know we got enough to deal with, but we ourselves, we've got to be we've got to be truthful. Line up one to another. Don't tell a lie about your neighbor, about your brother in Christ. Uh, Let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. We just looked at the ninth commandment. And now we're going to look at the 10th commandment. This is important for tonight's discussion. A few different reasons. Uh, The first reason is the Roman Catholics split this commandment. They get rid of the Roman Catholic Bibles. Take out Exodus chapter 20, the fourth and the fifth verse. Why? Well, because they have graven images all over their their property So they take out the fourth and fifth verse But they have to figure out a way To still get ten commandments, because if they only had nine commandments, that might be a dead Giveaway that they're wrong So what they'll do is they'll split this commandment Into two commandments And so it was you would not covet your neighbor's wife; that would be the ninth commandment, and then the tenth commandment would be, uh, "Don't covet your neighbor's goods." And they would just take the tenth and split it in two, and now you've got ten. But in the Bible, God considers the 10th commandment, verse uh, seventeen: "Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house; thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his man servant, nor his maid servant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's." Covetousness is what God is dealing with here. Boy, oh boy. The the advertisements don't come in the mail anymore. They come on the email. They come on the social media. They come on the phone. They come all over. You got to have this. You got to have that. And we can see what other people have and we just want it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have things because we all do have things. What I'm saying is getting to the point where we can look at what somebody else has and just be happy that they have it. Uh, Job had a lot of cattle. (laughs) Job had a lot of sheep. It'd be easy to look at Job and say, you know what, I wish I had that that large herd of sheep. I wish I had. We just need to be careful that we are not, as Christians, hiding covetousness in our heart. Colossians 3, let's go to the New Testament. we see what God has to say there. Colossians chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 3. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life. Oh, praise God. I've got eternal life. Christ is my life shall appear. Then he shall also appear with him in glory. Praise the Lord. Now watch verse 5. Mortify therefore your members. Which are upon the earth. So right now on the earth we're told to mortify the following. Fornication. Well, I don't do that. Uncleanness? I don't live that way. Inordinate affection? Not me. Evil concupiscence? No way. And in the same list, covetousness. And boy, oh boy, aren't we good at saying, well, I don't do that and I don't do that. Man, you know, this. this, this." Yeah, it's right in the same list God puts covetousness. That's a desire to have what somebody else has. We've all we've all struggled with that at one point in our life. And the Bible says, which is idolatry. You know, we talked about this morning. Well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And I don't have that dolly statue. Okay. We have covetousness in our heart. God says you're an idolatry. God says I'm an idolater. If I have that in my heart, he calls it idolatry. God's pretty serious about this. I don't want that to be me. Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter number 2. Look at verse number 3. And through Second uh, Peter two verse three, and through covetousness, shall they with feigned words—that's that—they're not genuine words; they're they're counterfeit words—make uh, merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. People can use covetousness. And it will hurt you. It will hurt me. They'll just make goods out of you. Use you. Look at verse number 14 in the same chapter. Having eyes full of adultery. I would never have eyes that way. And that cannot cease from sin. Not me, Lord. Beguiling unstable souls. I would never, God. And heart, they have exercised with covetous practices. The same list God does not like, he hates covetousness, wanting what someone else has. It's, it's, uh, well, Second Timothy. Second Timothy, we have gone through many messages going through Matthew 24 showing the difference between the last days. Of Israel In distinction to the last days Of the New Testament church Which we are living in right now And you know what the last days Are marked by Well we'll read it 2nd Timothy chapter number 3 This know also That in the last days Perilous times shall come For men shall be lovers of the, of their own selves covetous. Do you see all that's going on in the world? It's got to be, you know, the Lord's got to be coming back. Yeah, how about taking a look in your heart? We so look at the physical to say, there's the problem. Except most of the physical problems that we point to have been going on for a real, real, real long time. You know what God says the mark of the last days are? Hearts that are covetous. These are hard issues. Covetousness is a hard issue. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Well, the first two we're okay with. And we'll just read real fast over the covetousness word and kind of think that, well, I don't do the first two, so I'm okay with the third. But God has covetousness again, just like we looked at before in the same list as fornication and uncleanness. And he says, if you're a saint, if you're saved, You're a follower of God. You shouldn't have covetousness in your heart. It's hurtful. First Timothy three, you don't have to turn there, but not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. God wants leaders in the church. That don't have covetousness hidden in their heart. It's important to God. That we are satisfied and we are contented with what he has given us and i know it's hard because you drive down the road and you see the truck that you want to have you know you know it'd be nice to have another foot and a half of bed. <laughs> it'd be nice it'd be nice to have the you know the triple crew cab crew cab truck and you know you know ladies you, you look at the pinterest and you look at the you know you know the, the the sales at the all this you know the stores it'd be nice to have that extra thingy. <laughs> I understand. I understand it makes life easier. But we can't always have everything that we want. Is it okay to just, the things that we have that aren't needs and a want has been provided, that we have that? How many bathrooms do we need in the house? (laughs) Do we need? Seven bathrooms? Do we need four cars? Do we need a pair of shoes for every day of the week? Well, these are my Monday shoes, and these are my Tuesday shoes, and these are my... Let's just be okay with the one pair that we do have. I mean, let's get all that we can out of it, and if the Lord blesses and you got some extra money, okay, then go buy another pair. Covetousness. We see it again in Romans 13 Thou shalt not covet Again, restated in the New Testament uh, Let's do uh, Before we get to the last uh, We've got Okay, let's turn to 1 Corinthians One more verse on this And we'll move on 1 Corinthians chapter Number 6 I know all the sales are coming out now because, you know, Black Friday hit and Thanksgiving's over. And now we've got to buy everything in 25 days to really be happy. (laughs) It's just like, go on. 1 Corinthians chapter number six. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves. And we all say, Praise God, yeah, that's the world. That's those that are living for the devil. And then it comes to, nor covetous. Right in the middle of all that we read, and then drunkards and revilers and extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such. Where some of you, you're washed and you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We, Brother Mike and I were talking about this this morning. When you get saved, you've got the Holy Spirit, okay? You don't have a quarter of the Holy Spirit or half the Holy Spirit or three quarters of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, as soon as you talk in tongues or as soon as you do this, you get a second blessing. And now you get filled with, you know, you'll get the fullness. No, you've got it. You've got all of it. Now, you might not walk in it. You might not tap into the full resources that God has given you through salvation. But look, when you got saved, God. Okay. You don't have to do any backflips or roll around like a dog and do all that kind of stuff and have somebody put their hand on your head. You fall backwards and, you know, well, that's. It's not a second blessing. That's just weird. Okay. It's just. These guys. They make a lot of money fooling people. There's a new apostle out now. Not a man. These apostles were women now. Apostle Catherine is her name. And she, she's going around. Drawing a crowd at the public park. And she's calling demons out of people. And. Uh, you know. The whole thing's staged. People are buying into that hook, line, and sink. Well, you know the guys can't get it done, so they got to send in the women preachers. <laughs> Anything you—they're going to flip-flop God's word any any way you can. So they're they're sending her out now, and she's drawing herself a big crowd. She's got a big following. Big big crowd. I'm not getting my sermon notes from her, just so you know, <laughs> but but they're out there, <laughs> but they're out there. These false uh, false teachers, but right in here we have covetousness. God doesn't want that at all. Lastly, we see in Mark seven I'll have the turn there, but same thing, evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. That's the sixth commandment, thefts, the eighth commandment, covetousness, the ten commandment goes on, blasphemy, the third commandment. So Jesus restates these commands in his New Testament because they're important and they show us that we're not as good as we think we are. How can we use the law lawfully? It should be it's designed to show people that they can't keep it. It's not keep it and you can be saved. It's go ahead and try and keep it, and it'll just mirror back to you that no, no one's good enough. No one's good enough but, but God. So I hope we got that. There's one last thought. It's an important thought, so I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this command that we had skipped over in the first part. So turn back, if you will, to Exodus 20. I'd like to read it together, and we'll we'll park here for the rest of the message. This is the idea of the Sabbath day. Exodus chapter 20. Look what it says in verse number 8. We'll read the entire command given by God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Which tells you that the evolutionists are liars because. Not a one of them works six million years and then rests one million years. <laughs> all of them follow in their life the pattern given by God, because the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. And they work six days and they look forward to taking one day off, like pattern in the Bible. So these evolutionists, they just, they don't get it. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God in it, Thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hollowed it the the command here in verse 8 is two parts remember the sabbath day that's number 1 but the more important part comes after the comma where it says To keep it holy. Look at Luke chapter 13. Look at Luke 13. The hypocrites were constantly trying to trick Jesus. You all know that. Luke 13 uh, verse number 14. Look what it says. And the Lord of the synagogue answered with indignation. Because the Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord, I'm sorry, the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall? Remember what we read back in Exodus 20? Nor thy cattle. You fellows are working your cattle, and you're jumping on me. Or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering. Not, not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. Lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. You've heard the letter of the law, the spirit of the law. The idea is that, okay, let's say. They all kept the Sabbath, but they didn't keep it holy because man isn't holy. And the commandment is two parts. Remember the Sabbath day. Okay, you never forgot that you needed to go to synagogue for us. Oh, okay. Well, we never forgot to go to church, but did we keep the day holy? So there's two parts to that, and the rest that we find, God rested here uh, on the the seventh day, that creation week. It says in verse number 10, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, goes on, and in verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. God did something six days and then he rested. Now, do you think God rested because he was just worn out and tired? He needs to need to kick his boots off. No. God wasn't tight. He's God. There was a completed work. And that rest had to do with. This is complete. I've completed this week of creation. And it's showing a completion. It's not showing that God is tired and worn out. We as believers, we we have experienced rest spiritually. Now, it's great to work six days and take one day off and come to church. We get that physical rest from work. But we can work six and take one day off and never miss church. And I know Sunday is the Sabbath, but we can take that 6-1 idea and remember it and never miss. Yet die and go to hell. Because we can't keep it holy. Because we're not holy. And you know where the rest comes in? God didn't get tired in the creation work. Physical things were created. And then God said, now I'm going to rest because it's finished. Which is what Jesus said on the cross. God did a work. It was finished. God did a work and it was finished. One is physical. One is spiritual. You try to work your way to God, keeping the Ten Commandments, you'll never find rest, even though you remember to take one day off. We try to be good enough. We try to work our way to God. It's never going to be good enough. It will always be a restless life. So God did the work for us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross. And on that cross, he said, It is finished. No longer is there anything else that has to be done. The work is finished. Just like God said the creation week is finished. I'm going to rest. Jesus Christ on the cross said it is finished. The sacrifice has been made. There is nothing else that needs to be done. It is finished finished and people have got to come to the foot of the cross and find spiritual rest not just I get an extra day to just recover so I can get back to work it's a spiritual rest that we have for the soul and Christ is the only one that can lay our soul to rest until then it doesn't matter if we take off Sunday every day until we die and go to church because it's not going to give our soul rest. Must trust Christ. Isaiah 57 says, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. And that's like this world. It's it's always troubled. Till Christ comes. Hebrews 4. If you talk to a Seventh-day Adventist, you will end up in Hebrews 4. You can mark that one down. So be ready to go there. Hebrews chapter number four. They believe they are keeping God's commandments. And that you and I are not keeping God's commandments. They believe that we are worshiping on the wrong day of the week. And we're not keeping the command that God gave. To worship on the Sabbath day. And they're going to take you to Hebrews 4. And tell you. Oh verse 1. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. As well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith. In them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter, into my rest. Now, they will use this verse. You say, "How do they use it?" They just rest the scripture to their own destruction. But they'll use this one of their, this verse to go to to say, "See, you need to rest. You need to rest. And there's a Sabbath rest. It's on the Saturday." Because let's point out some simple things. Verse number three. Let's look at that together. For we which have have believed. Who would that be? It's got to be us. It's got to be Christians. For we which have believed. Believed too. On the Lord Jesus Christ. Believed on the person of Christ. Is that simple? Is that obvious? Is that easy to see? For we which have believed. Now it says, well, it doesn't say, for we which have believed will enter at death. It doesn't say that. It says, for we which have believed, believe do enter. The gospel offers rest for people now. It says very clearly, do enter. They which believe. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, You don't have to wait for Saturday. You don't have to wait for Sunday to get rest. You will enter into that rest immediately and you will find rest. Whether it's a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday, right then and now. That's why it's very clear, do enter. It's not something put off to be applied at another point in life. The gospel offers rest. We rest in what? In a day? No. In Christ's redemptive work. You can find that any day. That is what the rest is in. Or who it is in. Matthew 11. Uh, keep your finger Hebrews just keep your finger at Hebrews 4 I'm not sure if we're going back there or not Uh, get Matthew 11 Matthew 11 verse number 28 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and lean and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your bodies from six hard days of work. No, your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Before faith in Christ, sinners labor. Before faith in Christ, sinners are heavy laden with sin. It's an uneasy life where they find no rest. We talked about this morning. They got to fill it with something. Before faith in Christ, you and I—you and I—were enemies of God. We've committed crimes against God. We we're sinners before a holy God, and we were a pawn of Satan. Christ says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor. Have you been laboring? Are you heavy laden? Yeah, you sure have. You've been laboring for the devil." <laughs> You've been heavy laden with guilt and sin. I will give you rest. It's a free gift. Go back to Hebrews 4. It's a free gift. Let's see remains verse number 9. Uh, okay, not, uh, verse number 9. Hebrews 4, verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from him, from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Cease from his own work as God did from his. You can't enter into rest by your good works. If all you do is labor in your life doing good deeds, the best that you can do is have a day off during the week. That is the best you've got. I'm going to labor. I'm going to work. Do all these good deeds. But come Sunday, I'm resting. Okay, keep doing that. Millions of people do it. And they miss the point of it. You're not going to find rest for your soul. You're only going to find rest for the body. And you're only going to salve the conscience. By filling the void of giving the glory to God. By good works. And do good deeds. Ceased from his own works. As God did from his. God rested on the seventh day during the creation week. And you know what it was when God was finished? It was an unfallen world. That set the pattern or the picture for what was to come in the fallen world. God had to do a redemptive work. And God had to say, it is finished. And that's exactly what he did. All that works in this world works because of God. All that lives in this world lives because of God. The harmony that God created in his creation week is just all inspiring. If you just start letting your mind run with it. God created physical things in six literal days and he rested one literal day. He offers us spiritual rest. Under the law. Under the Old Testament law, under the law, you labor and then you rest. But we're not under the law. We are under grace. Under grace, you know how it works? We find rest and then we labor. And the law, all you can do is labor, 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 then rest. Labor, 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 then rest. And that's what this world does. Labor, 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 work, work, work. Look, God, look, God, I've done this. I do that. I'm better than my neighbor. Blah, blah, blah. Find some rest in a day. But true biblical Christianity, grace, grace. You come to Christ, you find rest. And then you labor, 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 labor. Why? Because you found rest. Who you laboring for? Christ, like we did today. We are laboring and doing what we do because we found rest, not in a day. We found it in a person. It just pictures, the creation week just pictures the unfallen world. It pictures, it patterns what God did after the fall. Is finished James 1 15 Then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin And sin when it is finished Bringeth forth Death So why like Christ died on the cross When Jesus therefore had received The vinegar he said it is Finished he bowed his head And gave up the ghost Last verse, and then we'll close out Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verses 10 through 12, and then we will be finished. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Do we need anything else, folks? Does this world need anything else? No. Verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And you know our message is, you need to cast yourself upon the one-time sacrifice lamb